Thank you, Father. Well, I don't think I've taught this exactly like I'm going to teach it to you today, but it's, uh, it's important what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you about uh, the name of Jesus belongs to you. It belongs to you, the name of Jesus. And it really is a Christmas message because, you know, the word Christmas really would be Christmas. It's the anointed one's celebration. Because he came, we're anointed today. So we're going to study about and look at his name. What's in his name? And the name of Jesus belongs to all of you. It doesn't belong to me anymore because I'm a prophet than it does a believer. I just have a different role to play concerning that name. Maybe some of us have a little more revelation, but that's just because we paid attention better. Or maybe we weren't even taught it to begin with. Hallelujah. So it's not a rabbit's foot either. So let's go to Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm getting started here, just kicking it off. And we've got several scriptures to look at. And then I'm going to minister to you today. If you're sick or you're in bondage to anything, a habit. I don't know. I know I don't know what everybody does. I don't live with them. You may be doing things you shouldn't do. Maybe doing things you shouldn't do with yourself or with somebody else. I don't know. Right. You know, you've got to guard yourself in your life to live straight and live yes. clean and live right and things like that. Or you may be in bondage to alcohol or cigarettes or porn or, you know, greed or lust or a lot of other things. And sometimes it isn't that you're maybe doing all those things, but you'd like to. You've got a problem. Until you change that, it ain't going to be right. And nobody's going to make it right but you. I'm anointed to help you today. But, uh, and so whether you have sickness and disease or any kind of demonic problem, doesn't matter to me. That you come up here, I'm going to command that sickness and disease and demons come out of you in the name of Jesus. You don't need to tell me anything between you and God, whatever I'm teaching. Let God show you if you need to be up here. And uh, so... Praise God. It's my Christmas message to you. Amen. I went to church on Christmas and got delivered 14 years ago. Wow, praise God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, since they were celebrating Jesus' birthday, isn't it? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Well, that's significant. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And what I wanted to point out to you, it says his name shall be called Wonderful. I looked that up in the Hebrew many years ago and went back and restudied it all recently. And the word here, Wonderful, means a miracle. It means a marvelous thing. Or it means a wonder. You know what a wonder is? A sign and a wonder is something that God does that makes you wonder. How'd that happen? Are you listening to me? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes people, it doesn't make any sense to some people, but if they listen to the man of God when he's ministering, if, you know, and different things that we've done over the years, we've seen fruit of that. I was at the Navajo Nation many years ago. I don't have it in my notes, but I'm feeling led to go off on it here. 
and the pastor that invited me or the evangelist, he got up, he was interpreting that last night we was about 300 Indians in this tent, Navajo Indian Reservation. And all of a sudden people start, I'm talking and, he, and he's interpreting and all of a sudden people get up and go to the walls and I think, what have you done? He said, I told him you're, you're going to lay hands on every one of them. I said, you what? <laughs> all right, let's get started. I want you, I'm going to start over here. They were just lined up down the wall and across the back and I said, come on. And I tapped them in the head and blessed them. I got to this one young Indian girl. She's about 20 years old. I said, God told me not to lay hands on you. He said to tell you, if you want to be delivered from that issue in your life, you're going to have to run across the front. I said, you understand me perfectly, don't you? Because the younger Indians out there have been taught English. The older ones don't speak it. She said, yes, sir, I understood. I said, well, it's just like I slapped her in the face. She just acted like real coy, real... I said, well, listen, get out of my way, lady. I've got plenty to pray for. If you want to run, run. You get delivered. If you don't, stay with what you got. I'm not laying hands on you. That's what God told me to tell you. And, and I went on and prayed for two or three more. And all of a sudden, the whole place started erupting in praise. And that teenage girl or 20-year-old ran across the front of that tent and picked up two or three other teenage girls and went up on the platform and started singing on mics in English, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Boy, that place come unzipped. I mean, it just, see, but now who would have thought me telling her that would have caused that? Yeah. Had another lady. I'm talking about, see, if you don't respond correctly, you don't get it. I was in Mexico, Guadalajara, for you Spanish people, and I don't think I did too bad a job, but Guadalajara. I'm not as good at Rolla Mars as some gringos, but anyway. There was a girl in my meeting down there. She was real tall and thin. And she came up to me. And I could tell she had a burr in her saddle. You know, some people, they come and you just know what you're going to expect. I just tried to go the other way. But I was in the middle of ministry time. She said, I'm not getting a thing out of your ministry. I said, well, I've watched you during praise and worship. You stand there like a telephone pole. She understood English. I said, you never lift your hands. I don't ever see you smile. You know what your problem is? You're not responding. I turned her around this way and put my arm around her waist. I said, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to throw you. And whenever your feet hit the ground, you start running and take a lap around this building, around this auditorium. She looked at me like, you got to be kidding. One, two, three. And I just threw her. She ran clear around, come right back up to me about this far and fell out. She said she got healed, delivered, and took care of, all because she obeyed what I told her. His name shall be called a miracle. His name will do miracle, miraculous things. His name will bring signs and wonders to us. I mean, we're in a new era. I hope you're listening. And next weekend, I'll talk a lot more about it, but let's hone in on this now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm entitling this message, The Name of Jesus Belongs to You, or we could have called it Jesus Saves because I'm going to show you that right now. Matthew chapter 1. So this is a great Christmas message. I think it is. And in Matthew 1, verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now it's interesting here. I did some research on this. Uh, now let me read on down through here and I'll come back to verse 21 and says, uh, and he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the Lord, by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. That's pretty different to start out, right? A virgin will be with child and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. What I want you to see in this, that the name of Jesus puts him with us. Not the name of Church on the Rock. Not the name of Dr. Jacobs or Pastor Jordan, but the name of Jesus. Gives us our authority and power and dominion. And it says it's God with us. But back up here, this interesting word, it kind of, some people just think, well, I got born again, but that's not what that word means entirely. The word save, S-A-V-E, verse 21. This is what it means in the Greek. To deliver or protect, to heal or to make whole. So Jesus came. He's going to uh, deliver us and protect us. He's going to heal us and he's going to make us whole. Now when it says make us whole, that isn't just physical healing. Maybe emotional healing. Maybe mental healing. Maybe getting stuff off your mind that shouldn't be there anyway and you break it off through prayer and through the ministry of the Holy Ghost coming on us and stuff and through the blood of Jesus. So we're going to talk today, the remainder, the power that's in the name of Jesus. Now let's go over to Mark 16 a minute. And I'm, I got a new Bible right here I'm using for, I think, the second time. Nothing's hardly marked in it. But let's go over here to Mark 16. And we're going to pick it up in verse 15 here. Uh, Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, that's Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what he's going to say following this is the gospel. <laughs> I've heard somebody say, you believe in healing? Oh, no, we just teach the gospel. You don't even know what the gospel is, my friend. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a brilliant mind or an A-plus student. You just have to look up a word or two. I just looked that up in the Greek concordance there of save, and it means to deliver or protect, to heal, or to make whole. How could that not be Healing. All right. He that believeth and is baptized, verse 16, shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now, it didn't put any criteria on that. You don't have to be a male or a female. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, somebody of importance. You don't have to be a fivefold minister. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have a lot of money or have little. You don't even have to be good looking. You just have to believe in his name. These signs will follow, and this is what, what is this now? That's just the gospel. <laughs> All right. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils, or demons it should read. Yeah, I was reading a book, uh, it's been 15, 20 years ago, and I found out that the Lutherans 200 years ago, when they took people through a new members class, they always taught deliverance to them and prayed for them. The Lutherans. The Lutherans. I don't think you understand that. So something drastically has happened. And, you know, maybe there is a, a renegade priest somewhere that still does that. But I doubt that it's told, taught widely in that denomination. 
These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All of that is part of the gospel. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, including December 2019 in Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana by Dr. Jacobs. And the Lord was working with him and confirming the word with signs following. So what I'm saying is we're supposed to be doing everything in the name of Jesus. I haven't got time to go over there. Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. If you can't do it in the name of Jesus, you shouldn't be doing it. I'm going to smoke this joint in the name of Jesus. I'm going to shoot this dope in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go sleep with this other girl in the name of You're not going to do that. No. Let everything you do, your speech. I'm going to say it again. God brought it back. Some of you, you're, you're on the borderline of getting judged about your criticism and your gossip. Is that me? I don't know. Ask yourself. I'm just warning you. I'm just telling you as a prophet of God. Some of you are right on the edge here. You, I'd make that right before I get done preaching today. For your sake, not my sake, for your sake. All right. So we're to do everything in the name of Jesus. Now let's go over to the book of Acts a minute, chapter 9. We'll see an example of this, a profound example. I think it was Peter. Acts chapter 9. Go there with me quickly. Acts chapter 9 and uh, verse 32 through 35. Acts chapter 9. Uh, and I think it was Peter. It's Peter. I see Acts 9, 32. And following, it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years. One translation says he was paralyzed and unable to walk and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes thee whole. See, he's using the name of Jesus and when he invokes that name, Jesus is there with him, with Peter, and with the cripple. <laughs> Are you listening? And uh, Jesus Christ makes you whole. There's whole coming back to us. This is a part of being made whole, being healed, and being paralyzed. And he says here, let me see here. Arise and make thy bed, and he arose immediately. That's some quick action. And all that dwelt at Lydda, and Sharon saw him, and they remembered he was a little crippled guy, and turned to the Lord. Hallelujah. Evangelism like that is the way you can get people's attention through signs and wonders. You know, I was in Mexico. I don't remember the city I was in. I was at a meeting with Dr. Dufresne. I got very, very ill in that, uh, during that meeting. They brought a doctor to my room. and uh, It's kind of a funny story. I don't know if I should tell you all that, but... Uh, <laughs> About all my glory? Yeah, don't. Okay, don't touch it. Okay. Anyway, the doctor came and asked me some questions, said, lay down, I'm going to shoot you. And he shot me in each hip with stuff. He says, now, you're going to pee red for a couple of days, but don't let that be concerning. I said, thanks. <laughs> when I was so ill, I wasn't able to get up out of my bed for a couple of days. And he did that, and the next night I went to the meeting. And Dr. Dufresne had me get up and pray for a guy in a wheelchair. Yes. And... Uh, I commanded him to walk in the name of Jesus, and he got up out of that wheelchair and walked. 
And Dr. Dufresne was in, up here with me. You know, I'd prayed for the man, not doctor, but anyway. He said, Who, who's this guy belong to? And his wife came running down the aisle. And he said, how long has he been like that? She said, he's been in that wheelchair eight years. Like this guy here. Eight years. But just in a moment of time, he got up. Now, when he was walking, some of the ushers walked with him because if you haven't been on your legs in eight years, your muscles trying to respond to that get tensed up and they start shaking. If you've ever seen somebody that hadn't walked a lot and or they got palsy, but I'm talking about just a normal person that hadn't used their body. He was kind of shaking. So, but he walked back and forth several times across the front. Hey, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So we have been given the name because we've been given the name like power of attorney. He said, in my name, cast out demons. In my name, minister to the sick. In my name, if you drink any deadly thing, it'll not hurt you. And so forth and so on. You're not doing that to prove anything. That'd be stupid. I know there's preachers that do that. Handle snakes and drink poison. We've been accused of that here. Really. I mean, if we ever saw a snake here, Jenny would cut its head off. <laughs> but we don't use snakes here. and We don't drink stupid stuff. And we don't tempt the Lord our God. You're about to get died if you do stuff like that intentionally. But I remember my wife and I, we came into ministry in 1976. We had lived on a farm two years prior to leaving to come down here. But prior to that, we'd bought a duplex. We had a duplex, two apartments together, and we rented them out. And we tried to sell it, and it didn't, didn't sell, and God said, I want you in Louisville by August of this year. That was 1976. So I went to the bank with her father, Lee, Lee Standifer, and I gave him power of attorney for me. You know what that meant? He was me. When the realtor talked to him, she was talking to me. When the banker talked to him, he was talking to me. When the real estate transaction was finalized and he signed his name, it was as if Michael Jacobs was in that room signing my own name because he had the power of attorney vested in him legally through uh, attorney or however we drew that up. And he had my name to use my name. But this is what Jesus is doing for us. You have a right to use the name of Jesus. He invested you. Think about his trust in us. That's a startling fact that he trusts us to use his name and to use it to bring glory to him. You've been given the power of attorney. You know, he's not here anymore except through the body. And if the body doesn't do it, it isn't going to get done. All right, let's, let's, go, let's go here to uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 a minute. I want to show you something here. And we need to be thinking this way and praying this way as we, as we come into this new year, just another week or so, and we'll be there. But in Acts 4, 29, it says, uh, 29 and 30, in the first part of 31, and now, when? when? Now. now. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now, he's not talking about speaking anything else but his word and speaking it boldly. And they're praying this together. They're praying in one accord, you know, it says, and stuff like that up here, verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. So it's the whole group of the body of Christ there praying this. And now, Lord, behold, verse 29, their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by being smart. 
By being religious. No, by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. I mean, the older I get, the more I see Jesus was so profound. <laughs> and he said, if you don't receive as a little child, you're not going to get anything. That just, that thought goes over in me constantly anymore. I don't have to figure it all out in my head at all. Now, when God shows me something, he shows me something from his word. He can help me figure it out. But I'm not running around worrying about everything that I don't have an answer for right now. Because I have a supply and I know how the anointing works. And I always, listen to me carefully, always factor in that anointing. I think really it was this week earlier that Pastor Diane was talking about me and one of my grandsons in a basketball game. And as soon as it was over, I went out to the car. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Father. And I prayed for them over the phone. I don't know what day that was, Tuesday? Probably Tuesday, she, they called me and I called them back and got, couldn't get through it first. Finally got through to Myrna and Erasmo. I think Mimi, their daughter, was with them and uh, prayed for her. I said, I curse any cancer cells in your body. She said they took it out. It did have, it's called, what are the melanoma or whatever they call that, just cancerous tumor under her arm. And of course, she's been through this twice, you know. She's thinking, well, you know, wow, but she's a faith girl. And I prayed for her and I cursed it. And, command, and I talked to her yesterday on the phone, her and Erasmo. And she said, Dad, she called me Dad. Dad, and, and I heard him say, hi, Dad. And he was in the, you know, behind her there talking. And I said, hi. And she said, Dad, I just, I went and got a whole body scan. They can't find one cancerous cell in my body. I said, hallelujah. Man, that, that was from Tuesday to Saturday. And I think she had the scan on Friday or something. But anyway, praise the Lord. Signs and wonders. They don't happen just because that's in the Bible. They don't happen because we think they'd be cute. It don't happen unless somebody believes they have authority in the name of Jesus. Come on. You got to believe that when you say something. Now I'm talking really, really as a believer at this minute, that your words will come to pass. How do you get that way? You get the way by, by repetition. You say the same thing from the Bible, based on the Bible. You got script, chapter, and verse to go to. And you say it over and over and over. And then you be quiet a little bit and meditate on it. Then you say it over and over and over. How often do you have to say it? The rest of your life. Just settle it. You're not, you have to say it the rest of your life if you want to live healthy and be delivered from evil spirits. It's a wonderful time to be alive in the planet. But it's a very uh, intense time to be alive in this planet. Hallelujah. Yeah, I see that. Huh? All right, praise the Lord. So, let's, so they were praying that. And I'm encouraging you to start praying that for our church and for yourself. Acts 4, 29, 30. And verse 31, the first part says, When they had prayed, the place was shaken. I'd say they got hit pay dirt. <laughs> I remember one time I was in... Honduras, Pastor Jerry Relaford was with me and the pastor in Honduras, I won't mention his name, but he's a good man. And we were all outside in his Jeep. We're about to go in and have a meeting. You're not going to hardly believe it's in a Chinese restaurant that he rented to have my meeting. Had Chinese symbols all over the outside, you know. And uh, we were out in the car in the Jeep praying we were praying in tongues and just I mean me and Pastor Jerry and Pastor so and so. And all of a sudden, 
that Jeep began to shake. And I looked at them and they looked at me and I said, if that happens again, I'm going to look around. I didn't see anything else shake but us. The vehicle shook like it was on a vibrator. We could talk again. I looked, the windows weren't moving and I was only six feet away, sidewalk and then businesses. The car in front of me didn't budge, the car behind us. It was just a moment where he shook that car. Hallelujah. You know, God can shake things. Hallelujah. All right. So they prayed that way for signs and wonders, and we need to be praying that way. You know, and then when they come, don't act surprised. Hallelujah. All right, let's go, to, let's go over here to Acts 3 now. I think that's right. Yeah, Acts 3. And I, let me see here where I want to go here. Now let's just begin in verse 1 here a minute. Hallelujah. We're talking about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus belongs to you. Number two, you have power of attorney. And number three, it'll produce signs and wonders where they're needed. Are you listening to me? And really, I, I think you ought to think like this for your own life too, but really for other people. That's a good way to think. How can I help other people? You know, whenever you begin to turn inward, it's all about you. That's all it ever is about, just you. And that's kind of a low life way of thinking. Thank you so much. Now, when Peter and John went up together into the temple, I'm in Acts 3, 1. Uh, Peter and John went up together into the temple. That's a miracle. Two preachers getting in agreement. Into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now, I think it's interesting here that that same beggar man was laid outside that temple uh, for quite a while. And Jesus went through that same gate, but he didn't minister to him. See, I'm just bringing out a little truth. Sometimes God doesn't quicken everything to you. Trying to help you think a little bit here. You know, uh, like the prophet, I went back and read that recently, the, uh, Elisha, the one that says, what is to be done for you? You've taken such good care of us. You remember that? I talked about it last week. Uh, and then her child died and uh, she came to see the man of God and she got a hold of his feet and he said, well, how is it with you? And she said, all is well. You know, but, she, but my point is that she, <laughs> she knew how to get a hold of God. She knew how to get a hold of God through her man of God. Yeah. And she said, you didn't lie to me, did you, about my son? So I need you. And he said, take my staff, but I'm, well, sometimes staff won't work. You got to go yourself. But anyway, the staff he had, that's what it meant by that. Okay. So my point is sometimes in, uh, his servant said, well, what's the matter with her? He, and the prophet said, I don't know. The Lord hid it from me up to that point. He said, the prophet said, the Lord has hid it from me, but she's, she's discouraged about something, distraught about something. How many are listening to me? So even though you're a prophet, you don't know everything. How many know what I'm saying? All we know is what we get to say or do or know. You know, like what did Paul say? We know in part 
don't know everything and no, no human knows everything. But we can did some things that we do know to fun- function and minister. What about that Navajo girl? What about that girl in Mexico? What about other people? Different things I've told them to do. And then sometimes people don't listen to me. You know, a guy came to our church one time, a young guy, and he said, I want to start doing this and that. And it had to do with bodybuilding and stuff. I said, I wouldn't do that. Too much flesh. Don't do it. You want to work out fine, but don't. What you just told me, too much flesh in that. Too much gay lifestyle. Too much weirdness. He didn't listen. Okay, moving right along. Just thought you'd know that. But try to help people. If you come and ask me for my opinion, I'll give it to you straight. Whether you take it or not, that's your deal. So I did my part. It says here, they, he was set there to beg money from people coming in because it's evident he couldn't go to work. He was lame from his mother's womb. And he was over 40 years old. Later it tells us he was over 40. So he'd been 40 years in that condition. That's a long time. Verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple and ask an alms, uh, Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Let me stop there a minute. You know, when you come up here, if you come up here today or any other time in our prayer lines that I'm conducting, you need to get into a mindset that you're expecting to receive something. I'm expecting to release it. <laughs> you be expecting to receive it. You know, and I tell people, don't, don't pray when I get to you. Before I get to you, you can pray if you want. or you know. But then people just don't listen. And I remember there was a pastor, uh, a lady pastor, her and her husband pastor church in Mexico City. It was at Pastor Rosmo's church about five years ago. And I wanted to pray for all the preachers and got to her and she was just going on and on. She was just, you know, blowing her nose, crying, just hysterical almost. And I said to the interpreter, tell her to be quiet a minute. Well, he told her and she just kept, I said, did you tell her what I said? Tell her again. And finally, I just grabbed her and shook her. I said, stop that. I'm going to pray for you. What if I get a word from God that's going to correct whatever you're frustrated about or all upset about? I'm not making fun of you. Cry all you want after I pray. But I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me pray for you. And I want you to be available for me to speak a word to you right now. And you can't do that when you're belly aching. I think I lost half the crowd that moment. I said, you, the rest of you need to stop being critical. This is my prayer line, not yours. I know what I'm doing. So just back up off me. Hallelujah. You really say that? I really said that. And I still go there and they love me. <laughs> I wouldn't be rude. But see, some people are so afraid they're going to offend somebody. Oh, my God. Go sit in the car if you're not going to offend anybody. Why do you even come to church? Just by the fact you're here, you're, some of your relatives are offended at that. You go to that church over there, you know, that church. Well, thank God I go to this church. I like being at this church. Now, you say, I sound intense. I'm trying to help the lady. That was the whole purpose. Why would I pray for you if you're just crying, slobbering, and, and bawling? You know, and then she's praying, you know, but she's just praying really long. <laughs> and pray in tongues, not holler. All right. So expecting to receive something of them. That's what I'm talking about. Then Peter said, I'm reading on, uh, silver and gold have I none. Now that doesn't mean he's broke. He just didn't have it on him at the moment. But such as I have, 
Remember I said the name of Jesus belongs to you? Such as I have, you got to know you have it. Well, I don't know. I haven't been so great this week. That doesn't have a thing to do with it. You have to have faith in the name of Jesus that is something given to you. You didn't earn it. Of course, if you don't live right after a period of time, it won't work for you either. But what I'm saying is it's something we've been given as a gift, the name of Jesus. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he that sat at the, for, begged for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder. There's that wonder again. Remember, his name shall be called Wonderful. It's a miracle and a wonder. Okay. Filled with wonder and amazement. And when's the last time you went to church and you went out in the parking lot and you go, man, I'm amazed at what God did today. It should be like that at least periodically. And it says, all at that which had happened unto him. And the lame man which was healed held Peter and John. All the people ran together and them in the porch that's called Solomon's greatly Solomon's porch, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness, what I was just talking to you about, we had made this man to walk, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And His name, in His name, through faith in His name, does this man stand here before you perfectly whole, Hallelujah. perfectly sound. Isn't that what it says? Yes. Yeah. The faith which is by Him, by Jesus, has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of of you all. What a word. Talk about healing taking place in the, and see Peter's trying to straighten him out like I was with the ladies yelling in the prayer line. He said, you're looking on us like we did that, but it isn't us. We're just representatives of him. How did that guy get healed? He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So really at that moment, if you catch this with me, Peter was Jesus. He's the body of Jesus, the body of the anointed one, the body of Christ. Think about it like that. We need to get our mind. You're not a sub anything. You're a joiner with Jesus. Yeah, that's what you are. So we see this clear now that through faith in his name. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Acts 16 a minute. So praise God. I'm moving through this pretty good. Only been preaching 34 minutes. Acts 16. And little, so we're doing study on the name of Jesus because it's important. I just know this. When you're about ready to go home, you're not going to tell your husband or wife, remember, take the trash out. <laughs> Unless you're mentally ill. You're not going to say, don't forget to mow the yard. You're not going to say, oh, you forgot to get eggs in the refrigerator. You're going to say to the people you're around when you die, or when you leave your body, the things that are most essential, most precious, most intimate, and most important to you, or you just don't say nothing. I've been with people dying. I know what that's like. A lot of times. 
43 years. And they only tell you what is really critical to them for them to say to you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you. And so the reason I said that is Jesus, you know, Mark's account is a little bit different than Matthew because in Mark's account, he says, the gospel, preach the gospel, and in my name, do all of these things. And we didn't go over there. I already gave you the reference. Colossians 3 says, let everything you do in word or deed, let it all be done in the name of Jesus. If I can't do it in the name of Jesus, I shouldn't be doing it. Hallelujah. So Jesus is ready to go back to heaven and leave his body here in the earth, not his personal body, but the body of Christ, the church, he gave them the authority to use his name. So what I'm saying is that must have been critical for him to say that. And we're seeing examples of this through the book of Acts, how they used the name. You know, they took him at his word. Now, earlier in their ministry, they didn't do so hot. Matthew, I'm just talking a minute. Let me just get this out of my spirit. Matthew 10, he gave them power and authority over all sickness and disease. And we get up to Matthew 17 and they bring this little demon-possessed boy to him and none of them can get it done. <laughs> and Jesus said, okay, bring him to me. I think with a little frustration. Yeah, because I, he'd already given them seven chapters before that, the authority to do that and they're failing. And then when, the, when he got delivered, they went to him finally privately, probably didn't want to embarrass themselves in front of the group. Why couldn't we do it? And he said, because of your unbelief. You stopped believing that you had the authority I gave you. I'm paraphrasing that back in Matthew 10. You understand my thinking there? You got to stay current with these things. That's why I'm teaching you about it. Pastor Keith will tell you if he ever gives his testimony, first time he heard me preach, I preached on the power in the name of Jesus. First message you ever heard me preach. And he says to me, and he says this often when we're out preaching, he said, I knew God was that big. I just needed somebody to tell me that. And I told him that. And I'm still telling him that. I'm going to continue to tell him that and tell myself that. Okay, Acts 16. Let's look at this a minute. Verse 16 through 18, I think it is. And it came to pass as we went to prayer. Now, this is interesting here. They're trying to get to the place of prayer. And a certain damsel, young lady, possessed with the spirit of divination or a spirit of python, it says, that tries to squeeze the life out of you. We've had them in this church. I'd say that every church in the world's had them, at least some. Most of them I rebuked and got rid of them, either privately or, you know, whatever. Took it in prayer. You know. Are you listening? Yeah, we, we, we had witches and warlocks here, both. I don't ever say anything publicly about it because I dealt with it, and they left. I say, if they're willing to change, Father, bring them back, but if they're not, I bind them. Do you do that? Yes, I did, in the name of Jesus. All right. Cain pastors went to prayer. You know, when you start totally getting serious about prayer, there's always opposition to that. And in their case, Paul, and I don't know if it was Silas at this point, I think it was Paul and Barnabas, yeah, well, anyway, one of them, Paul and somebody. It says, this girl met him with the spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much gain by Susan. It's like, you know, the mediums, they call them. The New York medium, that lady. And all the talk shows, some of the talk shows, Oprah used to have them a lot, and, and some of the other people like that on their shows. Well, this is, a, you know, a medium, or there's different words for them. But what they are, they're witches and warlocks. 
Hallelujah. So this kind of person this girl was, and she made a lot of money for her owners. I was driving somewhere recently. I think it was, I don't remember what city that was in. It said Psychic Reader. Had a big hand up on a poster. Not far from here. I think it's out Charlestown Road, come think of it. Just down from CVS. Didn't see that before. Brand new. Come and get your fortune told. Come, you know, really, come on now. You don't need to pay for that. You just need to come to church and be a doer of the word. I can tell you how to have a, make money. I can tell you how to have a good love life. I can tell you how to raise your children. I can tell you how to stay married. If you listen. Well, praise God, moving right along. You're looking like, I don't know. And said the same, verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the Most High, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. So she's saying what she's saying is accurate, but it's bugging the tar out of Paul. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember there was a guy, Pastor Diana, I remember this. There was, I was in a different group of preachers back then. I had a good friend lived in Evansville at the time, and he hired this young guy, and this guy was so phenomenal on the piano. On the piano. He could play the piano like, like Dino. But he bugged the tar out of me. I went, went with a group of other preachers, there's about 10 of us, to a retreat center, and he was one of the speakers, and he was a musician for all the services. And when I got back home, I called up the pastor in Evansville who he worked for, and I said, Pastor, you know, I'm really concerned about so-and-so. He's going to tear your ministry up. Oh, I said, no, I'm serious. I mean, he graded on me. He graded on me. I'm, I'm not saying I know everything, but I'm telling you he's evil. He's not right. What you need to get rid of him immediately. Turn the keys in. Give me your credit card. You're done. Well, he didn't do that. Most people don't do that. Trying to help people. Just trying to help people. You know, if you already realize that and you know God showed you something, you ought to pay attention. But he didn't have enough respect for him. The pastor didn't do anything about it. Guy split his church. Took half his church away and a lot of the money. Then found out the directory because he worked on staff and called everybody that wasn't with him to come over to where he was at. And he was a phenomenal speaker and a good musician. I mean anointed. But something grated on me the whole time I was around him. You know, I probably should have just took him out behind the barracks there where we were and say, you know, something bugs us, something out of me about you. What's up? <laughs> but sometimes you can't treat people that way. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. So you're going to let somebody let hang out with you because you know they're goofy and they're evil and they're going to mess you over and mess up your church? Shame on you. Shame on you. Okay. And he didn't listen to me. And then <laughs> I had another couple call me. They're, they're sons and daughters to me. And that somebody in their church, I said, drop them right now. And there was disagreement on the phone, you know, between the husband and wife with me. I said, well, you need to listen to so-and-so in this regard. She's right. Get rid of that person and get rid of them now. The longer you let them stay, the more damage they're going to do. You know how I know that? I've been there. More than once. I'm just trying to save, help people. If you want to butt your head on the wall, keep butting it. But I'm not going to pray for it with all those knots after a while. You're not going to get healed. You're going to remain big old naughty head. You're not head. I'm just being honest. Sometimes We're not trying to hurt people. We're trying to help people. 
I mean, I'm glad when somebody tells me the truth and helps me to see what I need to do that would bless and enhance my life. So this lady's saying the right words, but it's bugging the tar out of Paul. And it says, uh, and this she did, verse 18, many days, but Paul being grieved. He wasn't mad, but he was grieved in his spirit about it. Something happens that grieves you down here. Turned and said to the spirit. He's not talking to her, but he's talking to the spirit in her. Uh, I command thee. He didn't say, well, now listen, Mr. Devil, we'd sure appreciate if you come out. No, he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Or one translation says he came out immediately or shortly thereafter. But we can see deliverance then is in the power of the name. And you can command things in the name of Jesus. Maybe I ought to talk to you about that. I know some of you don't feel like you can command anything, but you can. You can command the things that involve your world that you live in, the world that you function in. I mean, what, you, know, you might be in a work setting where you've got all kinds of strange individuals. <laughs> they don't have to affect you if you just take authority over that in the spirit. Walk in love and yet keep your, you, you do that privately. You know, to pray privately and bind stuff up and loose things, other things and things like that. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you. I'm starting to really get excited. Okay, let's go back to eight, chapter 8 of Acts. And we want to look at something here. For a minute, then I think we got uh, maybe two more scriptures, but we're doing good. Matthew 8 says the persecution came, uh, Saul, verse 3, uh, he later became Paul the Apostle. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Well, that's, that's a bad report. Entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. No wonder Ananias said, Lord, you sure you want me to go over there and pray for this guy? He's done damage to the church. He said, I've called him. You just go over there and lay your hands on him, get him filled with the Holy Ghost, and get him healed. And so he did that. Hallelujah. So it says, uh, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I don't know. Sometimes it seems to me like, you know, persecution would help us a little bit. We're just so sassy and smart and whatever. We got nice chairs, air conditioning, got a beautiful building. We just think this is all there is to be in the church. There's a whole lot more. <laughs> and notice what happens when they, when they got a hold of that. They went everywhere. How, where? Everywhere preaching the word. I remember when we had a move of God. I don't know if you remember that or not. I was here in 95, 96, 97, part of 98. And we had all kinds of people getting saved in our meetings. Uh, Pastor Keith calls them cool in the gang. It was two teenage girls came the first Sunday, Sunday morning, sat in the back, the very last row. I gave an invitation. Those two girls came up and received Jesus as their Savior. Next week, I looked back there, there was five of them, the two original ones and three new ones. Next week, there was 10. Next week, there was 13, then 17, then 20, then 23, then 28. And finally, there was two rows back there, about 30 girls, all teenagers at the local high school. We don't even, we didn't even, nobody invited them that we know. The first two that came invited their girlfriends. And then one day, one of their mothers showed up and she wasn't right. She was all disturbed about me and laying hands on people and them falling out and whatever I preached. And that was the end of that. All those girls left. Now that lady's going to have to stand before Jesus. 
But when you're in a move of God, there's all kinds of people getting saved and being touched and changed in their life. Is anybody listening to this? And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. I don't know how people would think that this has all gone away. This is in the New Testament. This is in the New Covenant, Acts and following. And at least there ought to be somebody hearing and seeing the miracles that we do. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many. So many had a problem with spirits, evil spirits. And many that were possessed with them. That's a deeper level of it. And many taken with palsies. That's what uh, Muhammad Ali had. You know, he just trembled like that. I'm not making fun, but I've seen him when he was like that before he went to heaven or wherever he went. And they that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, who before time in the same city used sorcery. Here we are again. This isn't a spirit of Python, but it's real similar. He was probably a drug user too, but he you know, tried to do incantations and spells on people. And bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. You know, everything that looks like something isn't that necessarily... You know, you see these people and they're being interviewed and they've got, a, uh, I started to say, a congregation, an audience, and said, tell this lady on the third row, the fifth person, your aunt just told me she loves that red dress. Oh, don't she love that red dress? That's just a person doing sorcery and witchcraft. Hallelujah. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest. You know, when you talk about the word and being... Narrow is the way. This, this is the other side of that. A lot of people flocking after all this stuff. And I'd say it's becoming more prevalent. Remember the psychic sign. That's just an earmark for me to pay attention. I pay attention. I pay attention. I know the things by the Holy Ghost too because I'm a prophet. But I just pay attention to the way humanity thinks and how they... Oh, my goodness. I'd like to meddle in that a minute, but I'm going to. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man's great power of God, and to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. You know, remember, this witch doctor had control of the whole city, from the wealthiest to the least, whatever their social strata level, they, he, the greatest to the least of them. He had them captured by his bewitching things he was doing. But when they believed Philip, here it is, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. He was preaching about the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. So he was preaching to the people about the name of Jesus. That's how come he had miracles, signs, and wonders. How many are listening to me? How many would like to listen better? Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, so I'm, this is why I'm preaching this to you. Like Philip, I'm saying to you, uh, I'm preaching to you about the name of Jesus so you have faith in it. And some, you know, some of this you just have to think about in the scriptures I've used, and this will be on, what do you call that? Podcast. You can get that. Or you could just take some notes and write these scriptures down and look at them when you get home. But you're going to have to spend some time thinking about the name of Jesus. It was given to you. It's given. I don't know why I think like this, just the way I think. Don't, don't ridicule me. But Harry, you know, Harry, the grandson of the Queen of England, 
he was on TV this many years ago before he got married. And he was talking on a, like some kind of interview thing. And I kind of liked him. And the thought came to me while I'm watching him on TV, Harry. Is that the right one? The red hair? Yeah. And the Lord said, Michael, do you think he ever wondered if he could buy a house when he gets old? Older? No. You think he ever wondered if he could afford to buy a car? Well, no. Because I'd already read an article about the Queen of England that she, as a human being, owns more real estate worldwide than anybody in the planet. You know, Queen? And that's her flesh and blood. That's her grandson. You know, just like grandpas and grandmas do today and fathers and mothers for everything for their kids that they could do and then some. So, thinking about that, he's royalty. I have a sermon I do. I don't know if I still have it on tape. Uh, the House of Faith. I do that wave. That means I'm connected to royalty, Jesus of Nazareth, who's the Lord of the whole earth. He's even got one up on the queen. Hallelujah. We've got to learn to teach the name and have some faith in it. And you're gonna, you, start, you should start using it. And when you pray, when you eat over your food, we're not eating to make people impressed. Those people bowed their head. I could care less. They may be praising Buddha or some other God or some other weirdness. I could care what the people at the table next to me think. If I'm, even if I'm loud, they hear me. I care less. I'm not going to try to be rude. You know what Lester, I mean, uh, Smith Wigglesworth did in restaurants? He said, I'm going to pray. Everybody bow your head. And then most of them, for the most part, did. Because he was kind of gruff and strong, you know, like that. I got a little bit of him in me, too, through Lester and then Dr. Dufresne. No, I'm not trying to be that way, but just, you know. You ever heard about Peter Cartwright, great evangelist out west when he rode horses? He went into this saloon, went into this. It was, they had a bar downstairs and rooms you could rent for the right purpose to sleep. And so... He said, well, you're coming down tonight. We're having a big dance. Oh, you're having a dance. I think I'll be. Well, aren't you a preacher? Yeah, I didn't think you believed in that. Well, I, I just come see. So when they got ready to start their dance, the music had started. He said, hold up, hold up, hold up. We need to pray in here a minute. Bow your heads. I'm going to pray. And he started praying for the people, and they heard thump, 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 thump. And when he opened his eyes, everybody's on the floor. God administered to them, knocked them out in the Holy Ghost. You think that sounds far-fetched? You haven't seen anything yet. See, that don't make any sense to your brain. That's why you don't do it. You're in your head more than in your spirit. A lot of things like that are coming back on some of us that want it and are able to do that. Now, you have to be anointed to do it or you, somebody's going to whip you. You know, try to shut you up, but... But we're under divine protection. Now, let's go to Psalm 124. Hallelujah. I've enjoyed this today. I hope you have. I'm not even done. I mean, I'm about done teaching, but I'm going to minister to you if you need it and would like it. Psalm 124, the whole psalm is a great psalm, but the last verse uh, stood out to me many years ago. I did some teaching off, off of this. Uh, psalm 124, verse 8, our help... Our help is in the name of the Lord. And we would say under the new covenant, our help is in the name of Jesus. Our help is in the name of Jesus. You know, I mean, I just, our culture anymore, the, the stores, uh, 
what am I trying to say? Target and well, I don't know who does what and who doesn't do what, so don't argue with me. But they don't want you to say Merry Christmas. Yeah. They want you to say Happy Holidays or some other bogus thing that don't mean anything anyway. And see, that shows me there's pushback against what we believe. And the guy that worked on my car recently at Mercedes, I mean, he said to me, you know, because he knew I was a preacher, he said, isn't that a shame? He said, they're intimidated by that name, aren't they, doctor? And I said, they sure are. He, he said to me, have a Merry Christmas. I said, thank you for standing up for something. It's his mass, the Lord Jesus Christ's mass. It's his celebration that we celebrate. It's not about us. But here he says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's pretty big repertoire there. That's pretty big, uh, you know, assessment. There. He made heaven and earth. That's the one our help is in him. How many are listening to me? In the Hebrew, the word help is the word aid, A-I-D, and this is what it means. To provide what is useful and necessary in achieving an end. You know, if you're sick, you want to be well. If you're tormented, you want to be free. If you're in a habit that's destroying your life of any sort, you want to be delivered. If you're in strife all the time, you, need, you got to get out of that. So our help is in the name of the Lord and our aid is in the name of the Lord. It means to provide what is useful. I mean, God is so practical. He is not so heady. He's just real practical. Useful and what was the other word I used? Necessary in achieving an end. Whatever you're after, the result you're after, all of it's in the, your help for that and your aid comes through the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let's, uh, I want you to remember this scripture. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Doesn't say Jesus, but he is the Lord. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings who made heaven and earth. So when we're, when we need help, our help is in the name of Jesus. Our help is in the name of Jesus. Now, let me go to one last scripture, Matthew 18, and then we're going to close Matthew 18. Hope you've gotten a nugget or two today. I'm certainly not mad at anybody. Just thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 18 says, Where two or three are gathered together. Mm -hmm. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. One translation says it better. There. It said that the great I am is in the midst of them. But what Jesus is saying, where there's two or more of us gathered, let me read it again, in my name. We're not gathered just in the name of church on the rock. That's fine. We got a name for a church and we like it. But we're gathered in Jesus' name because we're believers. We're believers. <laughs> and he's given us his name. Isn't that right? And that name will do everything he will do. That's what I'm trying to say. That name is equal to him. And when we're in a place like that together, he's right here in the midst. Where's he at? He's here. As I know I believe, I know Pastor Jordan believes. That's two. And then the rest of us. And so Jesus is in the midst of us. He's right here with us today, helping me teach, helping me preach, and helping you receive and respond. Hallelujah. You get anything? Did you get anything? A nugget or two?